Hello and welcome to Tent Talks Podcast. This is Stacy, your host, and we've got Kimberly Mehmet on sound production and editing. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Happy month of June. Happy Pride. It's the full moon this weekend and lots of big feelings, big celebrations. It feels like summer is officially here. There's lots of just, I think, celebration in the air with the sun coming out and... I don't know when it starts getting warmer and everybody's officially on summer break. It does feel this shift of excitement and relief. Today, I wanted to talk about pride because it's happening this weekend here in Salt Lake City. And I wanted to talk about my own relationship and understanding of the spectrum of sexuality and kind of how I learned about things and where that has landed. Okay, so when I was growing up, I'm a child of the 80s. I was born in 85. And that was right during the AIDS epidemic. And I think there was a lot going on globally and nationally that I had no idea. But I was, of course, affected and influenced by those things, even though my little brain didn't have quite the full awareness. I had an uncle on my mom's side. He was kind of like everybody's favorite uncle. That was probably safe to say. He was really fun. And he... He just had this charisma. He was a big, joyful ball of sunshine. And he came out as gay. And I remember he came out to the family and it caused a huge, like, division. Suddenly it was like all of these things were in question. Is it okay to have sleepovers? Is it okay for him to bring his partners to family events? And is he indoctrinating or grooming the kids. And there were all of these really big adult conversations that were happening. And for a few years, it really affected the way that my family got together for family outings, because there was one outspoken auntie who was very opposed to this lifestyle. And she was kind of mean anyway, and outspoken. As a kid, I always thought of her as a little bit mean and naggy and yelly. And so I think in my heart, just the way that these two adults had treated me and being around them for as little or long as I had been around them, I had taken an internal side. I was siding with my uncle because he was kind and nice and fun and my auntie, she was always kind of mean. And it wasn't anything beyond that. I just was following who was kindest to me. That was how my brain understood what the fight was over. Because I didn't understand that this was such a bigger conversation. But that's how my brain internalized and thought of this conflict that was happening. So I remember talking to my uncle in an isolated situation. Again, I would have been four or five. And I just said, oh, you don't like girls anymore. That's how I understood what gay meant is that he didn't like girls, that he only liked boys. And he just gave me the biggest hug. And he said, no, that's not it at all. 
And for several years thereafter, he went out of his way to send me birthday cards and to show up as a really involved uncle. And and I just, I remember that. It was the simplest thing that anybody could have done, but I remembered it and it made me feel really special and really loved and really seen. And it came out of this misunderstanding of what it meant to be gay. And I, in fact, loved this uncle so much that most people in my elementary schools, they knew about my uncle because I just loved him. He saw me, he recognized me, and he celebrated me. And I think it was just that extra ounce of kindness and, and compassion that went a really long way. And also, I do want to add that my grandmother, his mom, she was the embodiment. She was the very definition of a dragon mama. And for those of you who don't understand that phrase, in the Mormon church, there's a group of mothers who have organized and gotten together and they call themselves dragon mamas. And they have kids who are somewhere in the have you guys ever heard the phrase alphabet mafia? It's the it was a TikTok thing, but it's part of the LGBTQ plus community. So dragon mamas are mothers of kids who are LGBTQ plus. And their reason that they've organized and that they have a labeling and that they have this club is because moms need support, especially in this society, to advocate for their children and to create safe places for their children to grow up and to be loved and accepted and to fit in. And my grandmother back in the 80s was the original dragon mama or mama dragon. And she loved my uncle so fiercely. He may have been her favorite child, I mean, easily. And she stood by him. She allowed him to bring his partner everywhere. And she celebrated him. She loved his partners. She accepted them. And through her actions and through her kindness, showed everybody how to treat my uncle. And we did have that rift for a few years in the family where there was some, you know, tension between that auntie and somehow my grandmother made space for her. And, you know, she sat and listened to my auntie struggle with her kid. And my grandmother was just so dynamic that she could hold space for somebody to get out their discrimination while she could also hold space for my uncle to feel safe and thrive and be himself. And that's something I'm still, I still hold really dearly is my grandmother's ability to, to really be a safe place for everybody. Because while she didn't agree with anyone being discriminated, she could hold the space for somebody to work through that so that they could come to a place of love and then return back to family gatherings and accept and somehow find their way around each other, even though they were clearly opposed and we knew they were opposed. But yeah, my uncle was such a big influence in my life that many of my elementary friends knew about him. And later I had one of my childhood friends come out to me as gay. And he said, 
you were one of the first persons that I wanted to tell because I, I knew you would accept me because I knew you had an uncle who was gay. And I was thinking about that today because my uncle just being so loud and proud in the 80s and 90s made such an impact on me that that echoed out for me to bring that inclusivity and awareness to my elementary friends that by the time that we were adults, one of them remembered that and came out to me because he knew it would be safe. He knew I'd accept him. And I think that's the story of like, we need representation and we need allies and we need people to be loud and proud. And we need the celebration because the opposite side of that story is discrimination. It's oppression. It's erasure through history of people that have existed and they weren't allowed to be. It's actual policies and government exclusion of people denying their rights, denying their existence. And the trickle down of that kind of behavior is violence. It's suicide. It's not receiving healthcare and not receiving kindness from other people. And I really believe in being accepting and inclusive and representation and, and having a really loud, or maybe even not so loud celebration of, of who you are, but we need people to exist and to be who they are, because there are young people, there are people who are struggling to understand their identity. And they can't do it without having steps to follow or without having a path before them or a safety net to catch them. In contrast to my uncle on my mother's side is an uncle on my father's side. And he was closeted gay and kind of everybody knew that. That was the rumor, but he chose to be single and celibate so that he could participate in church. And he, unlike my uncle on my mother's side, this uncle was the very definition of a curmudgeon. He was rigid. He was cruel. He was so cruel, in fact, that people were talking about that at his funeral. But moreover than that, he was abusive in his everyday language toward people. He was exclusive in his affection and love. And I don't even know that he ever showed. I'm, I actually have never seen him show love to anybody. He's the kind of person that after you left a room, he was immediately talking to other people about something about you. Maybe it was the way that you looked or dressed, or maybe it was something you were pursuing in your life, you know, like a career path or uh, the car you drove. It could be anything big to small. He was the kind of person that would just tear you down bit by bit, shred by shred. And he was also the kind of person that could dish it but not take it. He would swell up like a sausage, a tiny sausage bursting if you were to even hold him accountable or say anything back to him. And he was cruel to everybody. And people just knew that about him. And there was a certain level of acceptance because you didn't want his abuse to fall on your shoulders. So you just kind of trotted carefully around him. And that's such a different energy 
from my uncle on my mother's side. And I have always had those two examples of being. And somehow it was just, they also happened to be gay. And that was such an interesting way that my brain categorized internalized homophobia and like living your true authentic self. And it was through these examples of these uncles. And I know that that's such a narrow point of view in the context of people's experiences and what it means to be part of the LGBTQ plus community. But these examples shaped my view of what that meant. And I think just to even acknowledge that, like, what was the introduction of what it meant to be gay? You know, like, what is the origin story of you knowing about that? And when we're in this weird time in history where we're really trying to control the narrative through legislation and and through hyper-religiosity, what is the introduction of this next generation of what it means to be gay and what are their examples? And what does representation look like? And I also kind of want to relate this to being a fat person and like seeing representation. Like if I would have saw Lizzo as a little girl, like she's beautiful. She's on the cover of magazines. She works out hard. She dances hard. She sings hard. Her songs are all like number one hits and they're cool songs and they hit a wide range of people. And her message is all about love and self-love and believing in yourself. If she would have been around when I would have been a little girl, I don't even know what kind of impact that would have had on me because the experience that I had and still continue to have is anytime there's a bigger body doing something, it feels very controversial. Like, okay, there's this wonderful Instagram creator and her name is Jessamine and she does the underbelly and she's a yoga instructor and she is such a good yoga instructor and she's a big black queer woman and she was on the cover of a fitness magazine and oh my gosh she received so much slander and so much backlash because the opposition was saying like we cannot teach people that this is what health looks like we cannot teach young people that this is acceptable and okay. And in my body and in my experience, I was thinking, oh my goodness, I would have loved to know that a fat person could show up and do yoga and be a yoga teacher and have a career as a yoga teacher. I would have loved to know that a fat, black, queer woman can make it in the world. Like representation matters so much because people are watching and they remember things. And just as I was recalling my memory with my uncles and how they shaped what I had created as a foundation for like being loud and proud and in your body and gay versus like this repressed, 
cruel, abusive, homophobic type like my other uncle. Like I created that narrative, but it was based on how these people were treating me. And the ripple of my kind gay uncle on my mother's side, it landed all the way. And some other kid remembered a very specific detail about me all the way from childhood. And when he came out to me, he told me, I knew you'd accept me because you accept your uncle. Like for him to remember that as an elementary kid and like just knowing that I would be a safe person because of that, that's a pretty big ripple effect, you know, like the ways that we show up really matter. And I may have told the podcast about this easy way that I wanted to show up as an ally, but it was through Jelly. And it was at a time when there were some things happening with my family and my nieces and nephews. And I just thought, they're all going to be going through puberty pretty soon. And they need to know that it is safe for them to show up however they're going to show up. And so all of a sudden, my dog Jelly, she just became like the rainbow girl. She had a rainbow collar. She had a rainbow leash. We had a rainbow rug at the house. And it was just this symbol. It was just a gentle symbol of allyship and of queer positive And I kid you not, I've had multiple nieces and nephews talk to me about things and not even like blood nieces and nephews too, like other teenagers just, hey, I want to tell you this. And they're pulling me aside at parties or at gatherings and they're saying, hey, I want to tell you this because I know that you'll love and accept me. And I do. And I tell them, oh my gosh, there's a perfect time for you to be exploring this. Way to go. Thank you for trusting me. It's going to be great. I'm so happy that you can be brave and share this with me. And I celebrate you and all of these great building up sentiments because the next thing that they say is always very devastating. You can't tell anyone. Or you can't tell my, you know, they'll maybe mention one parent over the other. You can't say anything to so-and-so. Or this one's especially devastating. You can't tell your mom and dad, my parents. And that just breaks my heart for these kids because when we pretend like the discrimination isn't loud and when we pretend like we do accept people, but they don't feel safe. There's a discrepancy there. And it's our job to be the safe person, if we value that, which I do value that. And so if you're part of a friend group, or you know, if you have people in your life, and they don't feel safe to talk to you about things, that's an invitation to go deeper within yourself and sort through some layers of acceptance. And I've had a weird journey into my sexuality because of my Mormonism background. Like, it was all about virgin culture growing up, you know, like you had to be pure and you had to be worthy and you couldn't be like too evocative. But there was this really playful, erotic side of me that I was always suppressing. And just like any part of a sexuality spectrum with anybody, 
I had to go through layers of, you know, exploration of unsafety, of dysfunction, of remembering abuse and like working through lots of lots of layers. And where it has left me is this really fluid place of like, I don't want to be defined by anything. Because what might make me feel safe in a partnership might look totally different than what is part of a heteronormative example. Like maybe the kind of safety and companionship and playfulness and celebration that I want in a relationship is outside of what was introduced to me in a heteronormative template. I think sexuality should be free And I think it should be defined if people want to define it, undefined if people want to leave it undefined. Because what I've noticed about my sexuality is that it's constantly in motion and changing and growing and expanding and then all of a sudden shrinking and collapsing and reevaluating things. Because the more that I gain freedom in myself and understand what has been indoctrinated into me, that definitely affects my sexuality and the way that I show up in the world. Because I realize that people have been trying to control my body for so long. And it's very harmful to feel like the world wants you to be a certain way and will celebrate you if you're a certain way, or we'll give you better jobs if you show up a certain way, or you'll have better health insurance or coverage or, you know, X, Y, and Z, the society will love you more if you're a certain way. And the more that I deconstruct these messages, the more that I just want to be more expanded and free and inviting of multiple experiences. I want to be free of any label because um, I think labels are hurtful or they have been in my life. And so I don't know if that is part of pride is just claiming freedom to do with your body what you want as long as it's consensual and safe with another body. That's kind of what I claim. And it goes back to body sovereignty. I don't need a big label for anything. I just want to know that what I'm doing is in integrity and alignment with myself. And that it's not because I've been conditioned or made afraid to be somehow showing up as something else. I think it's... um It's really harmful when in our most vulnerable and creative and connecting places, we're still being controlled by a larger narrative. And that's the thing that I want to eradicate from my life and from hopefully be an example of that for the young people around me. Because just like this, what I've shared with you about my uncles, that one positive example has absolutely shifted many lives, not just my own. But I mean, the ripples have been have been loud. And that was just one person really celebrating their sexual identity. And so if there's a way that I could celebrate my sexual identity of just be free to be yourself, be liberated in your choices, follow the choices that reflect you and your values. And that to me 
is the most important part about pride. As always, thank you for joining us this week. I hope you're out there celebrating pride, celebrating someone you love and know and being inclusive because you really never know who is needing to fall under the umbrella of your love and your bright light, your rainbow light, living life in technicolor, as somebody said. Anyway, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week on Tent Talks.